0: Let me ask you this. Are you guys ready for Christmas? Are you guys ready for the holiday season that's you know, right around the corner? Well, it's not here as of yet, but here in Impact City, it has started. And you're like, well, why did you start Christmas so early? Well, because Christmas is awesome. And you know what? You know, I'm the pastor, and to say we're going to start Christmas early. And so we're going to start Christmas early this year. But actually, we have a lot of things planned out this holiday season. Uh, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you understand that we get busy around Christmas time. We do a lot of work at the women's shelter. I'll share more about that in just a little while at the end of the service. And we just do a lot of things here at the church. And, you know, we'll just to kind of get the spirit going here today, I wanted to just kind of set up the trees. Thank you to all the ladies who came up during the week and who were able to. Uh, I know some of you all had to work, some of you all had, had kids that were sick. Hey, it's, it's okay. Thank you to those who did come up and set up these beautiful trees. Let's give them a round of applause. Tell them thank you. So today, we're going to be starting a new series called The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope. And and it's kind of going to take us back to the basics of what Christmas really is. And we're going to find out that in the story of Christmas, you can't find the thrill of hope. The excitement of what hope really is. Because listen, hope is something we all long for. Every single one of us here longs. To have a sense of hope in their life there is you know it, it, you're like well how can that be pastor you know and how can we, people want that it's, it's, it's an urge of our heart to always long for something better than what we have we have to hope for something hope is what pulls us through the hard times and speaking about hard times christmas can actually be one of the hardest times of the year you're like well, how can that be How can that be, Pastor? How how can Christmas—I mean, the song says it's the most wonderful time of the year. But Christmas is actually one of the most depressing times of the year. It's the time where families realize that maybe they might not be a certain grandfather, father, or loved one there. For some families, the hard reality of their child uh, who might have passed away earlier this year, this might be the first Christmas that they're not going to have that child. Um, For some of us, it might be the first Christmas that we're not going to be with that significant other that we thought we were going to be with. This Christmas, you know, where you've bought, you know, a a Christmas present for them. You're ready to go and you break up, you know, right before Christmas. And then that's just really depressing. Uh, Divorced families, families who have been divorced, torn apart, fathers not being able to see their kids for the first time this Christmas, or vice versa, mothers not being able to see their, their children this year for Christmas. All these thoughts are really depressing. I mean, they're just really downright depressing at times. And we, we actually, if you look at studies, Christmas is the number one time of the year for suicide. And you let me ask you this. Does this sound like people need to have a little bit of hope this season? If there's any point in time of the year where people need to have hope, they need to have it in this holiday season time. And they can find it in the Christmas story. And they can find hope in the Christmas story. They can find hope in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ personifies hope. The whole fact that he came into this world as a baby, it just is the actual incarnation of him being pure hope. Just think about it. Babies are just hope in the making. They are pure future. Everything is just open to them. They can do whatever they want in their life. It is full of hope. There has never been a parent that hasn't looked at their kid and say, I wonder what they're going to be like in the next few years. You know, whenever they look at their, at, their, at their kids, there's just pure potential. Are they going to be a doctor fighting to find cures for diseases? Are they going to be a lawyer fighting for justice? they're going to be an engineer building tall buildings in the cities of this great country? They're going to be painters, ballerinas, astronauts. You know, are they going to go into the service and fight for freedom? Or are they going to be professional athletes? Are they going to be college professors teaching the next generation of people what it means to be great leaders? Are they going to be scientists looking for new and, and crazy new things in this world? Anything is possible for an infant. The world is open. There was so much hope there, bundles of hope and spit and stench and stuff. But they're, they're still cute. They're, they're babies. They're cute. But Mary had a little bit more hope for her child. When you look at the story of Jesus, Mary actually had a little bit more to hope for when she saw her baby. Whereas when we see our kids, we think doctors, lawyers, maybe engineers, maybe, maybe great you know, great civic leaders. When Mary looked at her baby, she saw something greater. See, the previous year, she had been visited by the injured Gabriel, and he gave her this promise that we find in Luke. One thirty. By the way, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We're going to be all over the Scriptures this, today and just kind of try to keep up with me. If you have them on your phone, look them up there. But we're going to be all over, so just kind of, kind of listen fast. I hope, you can, I hope you got, you've been practicing your, your Bible drills and you know how to get there fast. Okay, so Luke one thirty says this. That was the promise that the angel Gabriel gave to, to Mary. He said, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Which is pretty awesome, by the way, that he would come tell us, because this is the same type of promise that was echoed from the book of Isaiah. When God told Isaiah this seven centuries earlier, whenever uh, God told Isaiah, He says, "For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given." This is Isaiah nine six. He says for the government shall be called shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the increase of the government and of peace. There will be no end in the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time and forth and furthermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Lots of hope in those verses right there, but it gets even better because the angel who went to Mary actually went up to Joseph later on that that same day, and he told this to Joseph. You can find it in the Gospel of Matthew. It says this. It says that, But be considered But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that in which she is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from sins. So, in other words, when Jesus was born, God made it clear that this baby, this child, was going to be something great. He was going to be the one that the world had been waiting for. He was the hope of the world, okay? And ever since man had left God in the garden when he sinned against God, there was going to be a day where God was going to need to send someone back into humanity to help bring back humanity back to him, a savior, a deliverer, a king. Just think about the joy that the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, just think about the joy that they had when they looked upon their son knowing that their son, this, this little child who was just wrapped up in the manger of straw and just with animals all around him, goats and chickens, probably in some cave somewhere because, um, you know, on contrary to popular belief, a stable is not a wooden stable. I mean, you know, it was actual like kind of a dugout in the, in the dirt. Maybe they're in that little area and the parents are looking down at Jesus and they just see the Savior of the world right there in their hands. Can you imagine the responsibility the weight and burden that they must have had. We just want to keep our kids alive. They had to make sure this kid grows up to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So much hope was in there. Knowing that he would be the one that was going to find forgiveness for all of our sins, even the sins of his parents. Knowing that, that one day he was going to be the one that they would find uh, true and everlasting peace through. Knowing That he's the one who's going to establish an eternal kingdom and bring righteousness back to these people. They saw so much hope in him. He was the hope of the world. And I mention all of this stuff because it kind of highlights the fact that Christianity, the belief in Jesus, our relationship in Jesus is a religion of hope. It's a religion of hope. You can, you can mirror it against other religions around the world that, that are all about selfishness and self-righteousness, but Christianity is a religion based upon the hope of what is to come. God's whole purpose for us is to focus on what is to come, okay? It doesn't mean that Christianity has no relevance to what we're doing here today. You no, know, It's far from that. It just means that we need to focus on what is to come. The Christian faith is intensely practical to us every single day. Even though it is based upon the future of what is to come, we can take whatever hope we have for the future and put it into our lives today. The scripture tells us that we should always look towards the future, though. If you look at, um, if you look at Colossians 3, 1 through 2, it says this. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above first, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of this earth Our focus is on the world to come It's on the hope of what is to come But as weird as and strange as that sounds That hope will help us get through Our tough times on earth now We talked about this a couple of weeks ago When we said that, that Whenever we think about the coming of Jesus That that should give us hope And we're going to just kind of continue that today And that would be the end of the, st- of the sermon here Right? It's a great sermon Listen I know life is hard, but guess what? Jesus is coming. He's came before as a baby. He's coming back again, and there's going to be great hope. And we can put our minds on that, and it help us pull through the fact of, that we've messed up and that we've gone through trials and, and just hard times in this earth, and that can pull us through those times. That could be our focus, okay? That's a great sermon. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But there's something more to that. Because, listen, hope is not automatic. Hope is not something that is easy for us to do. Hope is not something that comes natural for us. In fact, sometimes the hope is very difficult. It's sometimes there's situations we get in where we feel just hopeless. Like right? there is no hope. And in those situations, we, we, we feel like we, we just need to give up. It's totally hopeless. So how do we sustain hope in the most difficult times? How do we sustain hope? How do we keep from being completely overwhelmed by trials? And pain. How do we maintain the attitude of hope when everything around us just wants to give up? How do we, how do we, do that? How do we see our way out of things? How do, we want, how do we stop wanting to just give up all the time? Listen, we've all been there. We're faced with situations where it seems to be little uh, hope to be found. And I don't know what that situation is for you, but I can tell you right now, I mean, we've all been there. In our jobs, maybe you're at work and you feel like this is not a good place for you. It feels hopeless because you can't afford to leave. Maybe you just don't have a job. In our marriages, maybe you're fighting you feel disconnected. You're like, man, thinking like, I don't even remember the last time I actually hugged my wife. I remember the last time we actually laughed about something. We come home, we don't even talk to each other. Maybe maybe you're feeling a little like like hopeless. Maybe, me. Let's just go this far. Maybe there's been some some infidelity there. Maybe your wife or or you cheated on each other, and you feel like it's completely hopeless to even continue this marriage. In our relationships with family members, maybe you have you're you're arguing with a brother or sister, cousin, father, mother, someone, uncle, someone that you feel like you cannot replace that relationship that is hopeless for you to rebuild that trust there. Maybe in our health. Maybe we're dealing with cancer. Maybe we're dealing with some type of health problem that you feel like there was absolutely no way I'm going to be 100% again. I've been dealing with this for years and years. There was no way we're going to get past this. Maybe just financial problems. You're in debt up to your eyeballs, and you think there is no way out from us. For some of us right here, right now, it uh, might be the situation that we're in Today. We might feel like we're hopeless We might feel like, like you know what I, I just, there's, there's no way out of this You want nothing more than to just give up on everything You want to just give up On even the idea of maybe you'll have a cure For your medical issues You want to give up on the fact that your marriage is just going down the toilet right now You just want to give up on it and walk away You want to give up on the fact that you will probably never get that job you want You want to give up on the fact that you're going to be getting out of debt You don't even want to try and you're here today, and you're hearing all this, you're wondering, how do I hold on to the hope? The hope that is found in Christmas. How do I how do I get that and regain it and hold on to it? How do I get there? And the answer is this is you stop holding on to that hope and you let go of it and you place it in God. The way we get through our life is we have to hope in God. Not in things around us, but we have to hope in God. You have to trust Him for help. Now that seems easy. And it seems so obvious, but it's almost so obvious that it's kind of hard for us to do. Because he becomes sort of like our last resort in this world, doesn't he not? I mean, doesn't God usually, isn't he like the last person we go to whenever we're going through a problem? Nine times out of ten, when we're struggling with a financial problem, we'll go first to the banker or we'll go to like, you know, maybe the rich uncle. I know you probably thinking like, I wish I had a rich uncle. You know, you go someplace like that versus going to God first. Maybe you start racking your brain and you're you're bringing in all the numbers from around. You're thinking, how do I make this amount coming in uh, work for what needs to be going out? How do I budget my my money? I have X amount of dollars. How do I make X amount of dollars turn into this amount of dollars? How do I do that? And you start racking your brain versus first going to God and saying, I have a problem here. Or What if the problem is a relational conflict? It's something that's so bad with a spouse or a family member. Listen, and, and, and you're like, in the first thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy a book first. Because, I mean, I know it's a great book by Gary Chapman. You know, he's a really good guy. Or, you know, Oprah wrote this book one time. And it was like spot on. Dr. Phil has this great commentary. on what. It, Dr. Phil has no commentary, actually. Uh, Dr. Phil has a great book about what does it mean to be the perfect spouse right now. I'm going to go read that book, okay? Or maybe you're going to go to a seminar. Or maybe you're going to go to some type of, uh, you know, large conference. For marriages. Listen, those are all great things, but you should go to God first before you do any of that. You know, we try everything we can think of before we start praying to God. It's so backwards. We should be putting God first in everything we do. Listen to what the psalmist says. This is Psalm 33, uh, starting in verse 16. The psalmist, David, says this The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in Him. Because we trust in His holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in You. Now, what's the psalmist saying here? Is he saying that, that, uh, that the kings shouldn't have large armies and, and protection around them? No, that's not what he's saying there. Is he, what he's saying is that even as a king, even as large as your army is, no matter how powerful your battalions are, no matter how strong everyone in your army is, there is no matter the best horses a king can have in his army, the best chariots, the best weapons, none of that will guarantee a victory. You look at the patriots. Perfect, perfect! Couple of seasons ago, they were going sixteen and zero. They were going all the way down the line. They were going to win the Super Bowl. They were up against the. This, 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 I mean, literally, it was like the the best team in the NFL versus like the worst team, the New York Giants. And for some crazy reason, the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl. Blew everything out of the water. Patriots had Tom Brady. They had Bill Belichick. They cheated. I mean, they were doing great jobs and, and what they were doing. I'm pretty sure they trained hard. But they still lost at the, at the moment of victory that they needed to win. The very last thing they needed to win, they lost. Listen, it doesn't matter how well prepared you are. It doesn't guarantee victory at all. If we are relying on the things around us for victory, our hope is really on those things. If the king is relying on the strong strength of his army, if he's relying on the the things that matter to him, you know, the the, the weapons and the soldiers, he's not going to win the war. No, 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 no. Our hope should be in God. And when we place our hope in God first, it pleases him. So no, yes, prepare for battle. Prepare for the things around you. Be organized and have things like that, but don't hope in those things. Hope in God. See, he delights in rescuing those who are placing their hope in him. Like the psalm says, are on those who fear him. The hope of God, the the, the love of God is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his unfailing love who deliver them. He becomes their help and their shield. To him, we are the most valuable possessions, and he is going to do whatever it takes to take care of us. Not the army that is around us, but us. I'm saying that you don't go. I'm not saying, like, don't go to the doctor when you're sick. No, go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't go to the banker when you're in financial aid. No, go to the banker. Go to the financial counselor, someone who can help you get things right. Whenever you're dealing and in, in struggling in marriage, yes, buy that book that might help you. Yes, go watch that movie that might help you pump, pump up your marriage. Go to the counselor that might help you kind of understand and learn how to communicate with each other. Do those things. But before you do those things, pray and hope in God first. Listen, God is going to work in those areas. He might work through the doctor. He might work through the counselor. He might work through... Through a job promotion or through some type of medical breakthrough in, in, the, in the medical field. He is going to work through those things, but don't get it twisted. Those things are not the ones saving you. Our hope is in God. Remember, it's not the size of the king's army that matters. It's not the size of your wallet that matters. It's not the skill of the doctor or the insight of a counselor that what matters, what really matters is whether or not you're replacing your trust and hope in God. Now here's the question. When you're in a situation where hope is running low, what is the first place you turn to? To be honest right now, this is a time to reflect. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but in your own life, like be honest with yourselves. Where is the first place you turn to? I can tell you right now, the majority of us struggle with turning to Christ first. We try to do things ourselves. I know whenever I, I get in a financial pinch, the first thing in my mind is I need to work more hours. And maybe God's going to provide through giving me more hours at work. But my hope shouldn't be on my job. My hope should be on God. The other night, Zachary was sick. And the first thing I thought about, okay, I got to think of what kind of medicine to give him. And Sarah goes, well, did you pray over him? I like, well, no, I haven't prayed over him yet. Why not? Because my mind was on medicine. Many of us think like that. We don't realize it because it's come so fast. We have to start putting God first. Do you rack your brain to think of all the other ways you can solve the problem? Do you try to think of people and resources that are around you, organizations, agencies, you know, type of help centers, plans that can help you with you know, solving the problem, certain strategies? Do you think about those things first? And, and if you do, if, if nothing else works, then do you go to God? We have to put God first. When in the process does he come into your mind? First? Second? Last? Never? For many of us, we won't even turn to God. We won't even pray about things. Some people might have a great opportunity to take a job promotion. I'm like, did you pray about it? I don't know. Some of us may have a great opportunity to do something in our lives. And well, what did you pray about it? For those of us who may be, you know, fixing to get married or or looking to the future, have you prayed about that spouse that's kind of come into your life? Have you prayed about that certain special somebody? Here's exactly what we have to do when we're in those situations. We stop before we get too far and we say, God, I'm in trouble. I need help. I don't know where I'm going. I'm turning to you first. And before I start looking at strategies and counselors and doctors and things like that, medicine, I want to stop just for a little bit. I want to focus on you and see where you lead me. I guarantee you if you do that, God will be pleased with it. I can't guarantee it's going to be the way you want it to work out. I can't guarantee nothing bad or unpleasant or unpainful is going to happen to you. I can't guarantee that the outcome is going to be what you desire. I can't guarantee that our that, that, that it's not going to work out just the way you want it. Our hope is in God, not in the outcome of what happens, okay? okay? I can't guarantee a specific result. I can guarantee that when you put your trust in God first, He is well pleased with you. When God is well pleased with us, good things happen. I can guarantee you that, that you will not regret hoping in God first. If you don't believe me, just... Listen to these scriptures right here. Like our, like they talk about the promise of God. Isaiah 49, 23 says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Uh, Lamentations three twenty five says, The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. Very great uh, word right there. Psalm one forty seven eleven says, "The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love." We find hope in the Christmas story. And we find hope in all the scriptures. But listen, let's be real. It's easy to say that we can put our hope in God, but it's another thing to actually do it. Specifically, when the pressures of life or the high cost of circumstances are just seeming very hopeless. It's hard to actually put our hope in Christ. So where do we get the faith that we need to put our hope in Christ? It's easy to say. I'm, 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 I find people all the time, like, what are you doing you know, to get out of the situation? like, I, I'm just trusting God, bro. I'm just trusting God. One day I trust God with everything. I'm like, really? How are you trusting God? Uh, I'm like, are you praying every day? Are you, are you, are you seeking him? Are you reading his word? Are you, are you following him? How are you trusting God? We can say we're trusting God. But it's easier for me to say I'm going to make a million dollars next year. But if I don't do anything different than what I'm doing this year, I sure as heck ain't going to make a million dollars. That's for darn sure. You know, we have to put our feet to where our uh, our money, where our mouth is, and do the work it takes to actually do it. So how do we do that? How do we get the faith it takes to have hope in God? Well, we find it from God. We have to go to God to get the faith we need to place our hope in God wow, that doesn't make sense. It does make perfect sense. It's like a one-stop shopping right before Christmas. Check this out. Romans fifteen thirteen tells us this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So where do we get our hope to hope in God? Where do we get the faith to hope in God? We go to God and we ask him, God, give me the strength to trust in you. Give me the strength. I can't do that. It doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid to trust in someone that I can't see. It's stupid to trust in, in something that is not tangible to me. You know, I need to trust in you. I heard a guy say this a while back, and it just blew my mind because I was like, wow, bro, like, like you just gave me the perfect analogy. He was like, man, I trust in God, and it's not easy because I can't see him. He was I can lean on this wall, or like me, I can lean on this pulpit all day long because I trust that that pulpit's there. I trust it's going to be there. You can trust in doctors. You can trust in, in, you know, lawyers and, and, and people around you, your bank account, your job. You can trust in things that you see easily. You can do that. You can lean against it. But God says, no, I want you to lean against me. Things that you can't see. Things that are not there. And listen, one day this thing is going to wither away and just be gone. It's not going to last forever. But when you trust in God, he will always be there, even though you don't see him. How do we do that? We have to go and ask God, give me the faith that I need to trust in you. What does that mean to us? It means that we, we think about the promises of God. We turn to Scripture and we see how time and time again, He has proven Himself faithful to grant us the things that He says He's going to do. He's never failed us. He has never, there is no one that can say that God has failed them. You may feel like he failed you because he didn't give you the outcome that you wanted. But his ways are greater than our ways. Listen, the things that you pray for, if you don't get them, it's a good thing. Because God didn't want you to get those things because he knows better for you. We have to trust in him. We have to trust that no matter what the outcome is, that we know that we're in God's will. See, the more you fill your heart and mind with the thoughts of life, uh, that that, that you know, The more you fill yourself with the things of God The less sorrows and disappointments Are going to ha- be around you The less you're going to be able to think about those things As your mind is focused on God You're praying about God You're, you're focusing on Him Romans 8.18 says this Paul was talking about that type of stuff He says For I consider that the sufferings of these present times Are not worth comparing to the glory That is to be revealed to us We read that a couple weeks ago and I love that scripture It's saying that, that That no matter what happens I trust That the things that are going to come Are going to be a lot better Than the things that are going on now We trust and we look to the future The problem is that That we don't look to the future We always look towards our current problems And we're stuck on what's going on now There's so much better things That are ahead of us Finally let me ask you This last question What is the basis of our hope? What is the basis of our hope? What right do we have to place our hope in God? The answer is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who was born in this season over 2,000 years ago, the one that we celebrate his birth and, you know, coming into the world. That is the the person, and that is the way that we have that we can be able to put our hope in God. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter. Tis Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiable, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Because of Jesus, we have the ability and the hope of a future. Let me ask you this As I kind of wrap this up Many of us have been going to church all of our lives Many of us have been around church Many of us have have, We know church You got church lingo You got church language You're church You're culturally churched But let me ask you this Have you really trusted To have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you really trusted him? I you know, you know, from the stage I don't do too many of these type of questions. Because I kind of feel like you know, everyone's good. But that's not my my decision to make. I'm gonna ask you this. Do you trust in Jesus Christ? Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you fully given up your life? And you say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I made a conscious decision to say, I will trust you, Jesus Christ. I will trust you in every aspect of my life. I will trust you. I will put you first. Have you made that conscious decision? Don't say, well, I've always been a Christian. Don't say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Don't say, I was always brought up in church. Don't say that. Don't lean in that. Say, you know what? I remember the one time whenever I was asked that question, I said, you know what? I'm going to make that conscious choice that today, you know, November 22nd, I'm going to make the decision that I will trust in Jesus Christ for every part of my life. If that is you here today, you need to make that choice. You need to let that be something that that aches on your heart to do. Before you leave, you need to really pray about doing that. So we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to worship one more time. And during that worship song, I want us to really reflect on what it means to have the thrill of hope. The fact that Jesus Christ came into this earth for you and for me. As a baby, as a human, brought up like me and you, tempted by sin like me and you, put through pain and struggles like me and you, going through good times and bad times like me and you. Jesus Christ looked like me and you. He dealt with the same things that me and you deal with, and yet he came to this earth. He left the throne, became flesh, became a baby, had to have someone wipe his butt. That's, and that's hum- humility right there, big time. He did that. The king did that so that we can trust in him. The least we can do is look at his efforts and say, he went far and beyond what I am worth. And he did it for me. Let's pray. God, thank you for everyone here today. And thank you for just bringing us the thrill of hope. The excitement when we think about the fact that you came from heaven that you shed your righteousness you shedded your glory and you put on skin and flesh and you came to this earth as one of us to show us the extent the distance that you would go for us that you show us that you are the hope of this world and on that night when you came into this earth you changed the world Lord, we just want to trust in you here today. That is you here today. If you have never trusted in Christ, if you have never put your life and say, "I know what. I, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not right." But you know what? I've done things in my past, and I know I've I've messed up in the in, in the past. But right here, right now, I understand that this Jesus, this God, loves me. That this Jesus, this God, does not look at me as someone who is wicked and just messed up. But he looks at me as someone who he can love and be a part of. That he can reach out and touch me and say, rise and have no fear because he loves me. He is the hope of my life. If that is you here today, where you make that decision today? Where you just make that conscious decision and say that I will choose to follow Jesus. I will choose to do everything I can. I will choose to put him in my life first. Even though I may not be perfect at it, I will choose to continually revert back to him and allow him to work on my heart as a man, as a woman, to to change me daily, to to work into my life daily so I can be the better husband, that I need to be the better father, the better wife, the better mother, the better person that I need to be for this world. When you make that decision today? If you have made that decision in the past, may I ask you this, will you recommit that decision today? As you go into this holiday season, will you recommit that today? Will you make that known to everyone? I you know what, today I recommit my life to you. I surrender. I apologize. I, I, I repent for always trusting other things more than you. And I look into the eyes of the Almighty God and say, I will trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.